Welcome to episode number 61 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your host Deepa, functional nutritionist, yogini and author. Today I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Smita Patel to the show. Dr. Patel is an integrative neurologist and sleep medicine physician, a physician, leader and entrepreneur. She graduated from Midwestern University, Chicago College of Osteopathic Medicine in 2001. She went on to complete her neurological training at the Medical College of Wisconsin and sleep medicine training at the University of Chicago. Additionally, she completed a two-year fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona under Dr. Andrew Weil. With over 19 years of experience working in hospitals and across the healthcare industry, Dr. Patel is also involved as Vice President of the Illinois State Neurological Society which aims to advocate on behalf of patients for access to neurological care and promoting continuing education of neurologists and the public of Illinois. Dr. Patel is the Director of Center for Brain Health at North Shore University Health System in Illinois and is now founder of iNeuro Institute. On this episode, we speak about whether we are getting sufficient nutrients in our diet today. What are common tests that you can get to check nutrient deficiencies that impact your brain health? How can nutrients actually help or impact sleep? How's omega-3 linked to sleep? And oftentimes we see people researching sleep supplements, how might these be different and incomplete in comparison to how you must approach brain health and nutrient sufficiency for overall brain health. In case you missed the guided marma meditation with Reema Shah on episode 60, take a listen. Marmas are deep subtle points where prana is stored and Rima describes the marma meditation as a beautiful way to connect to the mystical harmony of your being. I know you love the meditation since I see them being downloaded every night. We have a new one every Friday. All you have to do is each night just lie down, play one and just allow yourself to enter a land of dreams. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. I'm your host, Deepa. Join me and my many expert guests and medical professionals from the cutting-edge science of functional medicine of the West and ancient wisdom of the East. Learn all about how to discover your root causes of poor sleep and understand the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. Dr. Smita Patel, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast and uh, you're an integrative neurologist and you specialized in sleep medicine and uh, neurology is something which is always very fascinating to me, especially since I'm so far away from it. And I know that what was really interesting to me was that uh, you really focus on uh, speaking for patients irrespective of uh, sexual orientation and uh, Uh, culture, race, everything. And that's one of the things that we really bring focus to on the podcast on uh, inclusivity. And we had a whole episode on uh, talking to a transgender woman who was moving from uh, male to female, how that impacts sleep and also to Uh, Mr. Gay India talking about um, uh, sleep challenges and depression in the LGBTQ community. So it was really interesting to me to read that and uh, why neurology and uh, what is integrative neurology? So just tell us a little bit about how did Smita become who Dr. Smita Patel? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for inviting me, Deepa, and having giving me the opportunity to talk with you more on the Sleep Whisperer podcast. 
I've really enjoyed listening to you. And so it's a great pleasure to speak with you here. I guess I should say that, how did I become uh, a neurologist? Well, that was many years ago to make that decision, I guess. But um, I knew I wanted to go into, uh, I wanted to be a, a doctor and I wanted to go to medical school. And so I you know, was given the opportunity um, to, to uh, be admitted, accepted. And then the hard part came, right? Where like, okay, well, which kind of doctor do I wanna be? And it was through rotations on, you know, when we're in clinical practice, going through the different rotations. So I had neurology and, uh, and I, you know, saw very um, sad cases, I suppose, but, uh, but interesting cases. And it was just such an impact on me that said, boy, you know, you miss out a piece of your brain and you will be left with, you know, some problems. Um, so I specifically saw Gerstmann syndrome where, you know, a stroke um, knocks out a part of your brain and um, then you can't read and write and, and you can't, you know, um, recognize fingers. Um, and, and so with all of that, that was kind of, you know, so when I look at a person that didn't look like a person who had stroke um, uh, because they didn't have weakness on the one side, things like that. But, um, but yet, you know, such an impact and um, of what it can do to your functioning. Um, and, and so after that, beyond that, I realized that, you know, uh, a lot of my patients when they sleep, they improved, they worked, they, they also had prevention, you know, strategies when they slept better. And I always, you know, always wanted to um, get in that area of, of being a doctor. I wanted to try to help you not have a problem, you know, and I wanted to um, help you improve the problem you have. And so, so that's where uh, my path led me to pursuing a sleep medicine fellowship. And then later uh, I seeing all my sleep patients and they're taking, um, you know, all kinds of herbal medicines and over the things over the counter to try to help them sleep. And I said, you know, I really need to understand this more. So I then pursued uh, an integrative medicine fellowship with Dr. Andrew Weil. And, um, you know, again, I think this all goes back to my, you know, upbringing and being raised in an Indian family. Uh, you know, my mom, when we got sick, would make us ginger tea. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like, here's your NyQuil or something like that. It was drink this and she would put turmeric in it. And, and so again, it, it brought up my, my youth and, and, and what I was used to, to try to find some remedies that are more natural to try to help with um, the overall health and well-being. And since you've been practicing neurology, is there some area of focus that you have working with women perhaps more or is it that, um, is there a specialty within neurology? Yeah, so I, I feel I have blended it very nicely now. Um, so I am a neurologist and a sleep medicine specialist with an integrative medicine background. Uh, and, and so what I have in my, my clinic is, is not a specific gender, but everybody, anybody who um, is worried about their brain health um, and uh, specifically to prevent neurodegenerative diseases, something like Alzheimer's, dementia, mm -hmm. uh, they would see me in my clinic and we review risk factors and try to work on improving those risk factors in the hopes of prevention or delay of a possible neurological condition. So, um, so this is where I might use some more of the integrative medicine approaches uh, or functional medicine actually, where I, I might um, you know, evaluate them and try to really undergo and find the root cause of, of a problem. 
Perfect. And in fact, I was going to ask you, so why would somebody worry about their brain health? What is bringing them to you? So is it specific symptoms that they're experiencing? Is it an age? So are they coming to you even if they are younger? Uh, if so, what's really prompting them to seek out a neurologist? But I know when you spoke about how everyone's concerned about brain health, and we are going to talk a little bit about nutrients. So we'll come to all of that. But I often see skepticism when um, people are told about nutrients and supplementation. And the common question that I get a lot in my practice is that, but why do we need, our ancestors didn't pop these pills. Um, and of course, in our case, we are going to be talking about micronutrients, but uh, from the perspective of both food and supplementation, but uh, why, why are we now requiring focus on uh, micronutrients and why would perhaps our ancestors not be exploring this more deeply? That's a great question. And I don't know that I have all the understanding. I, I know I read that our soil is different. Our lives are different. We have more stress in our lives. Um, uh, so, you know, so there's a variety of different reasons as to uh, why we're not getting the nutrients that we're supposed to. Um, it's possible our food has also changed. You know, we didn't have so many options like we do now back then, even from a restaurant perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, in 40 years, we have so many more restaurants than we did back then. Yes. So, um, so, so I think, you know, again, I think the way we live has, has changed too. But I find that by, you know, checking this nutrition status, it's like another tool that I have to try to kind of bridge, bridge the gap between maybe supplements and medications. And this works towards more of a proactive health plan. Which is perfect hearing it from um, integrative neurologists like yourself, because uh, there is a lot of, especially in India, there is loose self-prescription of sleeping medication. And we've done a whole episode on that. And uh, I can truly say that people don't quite understand that uh, there are severe detrimental factors to long-term usage of those. And we don't even look at micronutrient status before doing those things. And that's common even in people struggling with depression and anxiety where uh, mainstream neurology Maybe it's different in US, but in India, you do see that people are diagnosed with depression, various forms of mental health challenges without even looking at micronutrient status, whether someone is sufficient in these very critical nutrients. Uh, so it's important that we do go a little deep into this. I can't wait to actually have this conversation with you, but... Um, I know that you test patients for specific micronutrient deficiencies, especially related to brain health. So uh, talk to us a little bit about how do you do that and are there specific tests that you look at and what are the factors that influence uh, how you might choose what each person needs in terms of testing? In my patient population of when I see patients, um, they may come to me young and they might have sleep issues. Uh, they may come to me older and um, have start having memory concerns, you know? Um, and, and so, so I think the, the range of why um, people would come to, for their brain health um, is, you know, is, is broad. Um, as for, you know, some of them taking pills. Yes, they go over the counter in, in America. A lot of things are over the counter and which means they can go buy as much and take as much as they want. Um, and, and so something like, you know, the prescription medications, you would need a doctor's order for that. 
and you know you'd only get a 30-day supply but something like nyquil or uh, advil pm mm. these types of medications uh, which i think are medications you know although they are over the counter um, uh, uh, people can go and buy and take as much as they want and unfortunately, uh, those, um, you know, kind of medications are very similar to the prescription medications in terms of what it's doing to your brain health. Um, you know, it does put you more at risk for developing dementia by taking too many of those um, and using it for consistent periods of time. And so, so when I try to see patients, I would like to, you know, evaluate, you know, what is it that you're missing, really? You know, are you, when you can't get a good night's sleep? So assuming we've talked about, you know, their sleep hygiene, what that means, like what their sleep environment is like, are they drinking alcohol? Are they drinking caffeine? You know, we'll fast forward that part of it, um, because I will address that. And not to say that that's not important. All of those things, of course, are. But for the purposes of our talk, we want to talk about nutrients. So I use this as an extra tool to have. Once I've looked at, do they, how, you know, how do they sleep? I've done a sleep study. I want to look closer at, you know, which, where is the missing link? Um, what, because again, I can give them a sleep aid and that will make them sleepy. And most likely it will work, but they don't want to be, or I don't want them to be on, you know, a prescription medication for the rest of their life. So when they go to the store, they might find melatonin, or they might try something else over the counter that they think is safe. And, uh, and then perhaps get frustrated because it's not helping. So, so again, now we want to look a little deeper. And so I might start with Magnesium, you know, we've all heard about how magnesium might help mm. with relaxation. And, and, and so if you actually look at some of the science behind it for sleep, um, you know, of course it can help with relaxation and it might even help with, um, you know, some of the anxiety revolving sleep. Um, interesting enough that magnesium also mimics the action of melatonin. Um, and so, um, you know, so it increases a neurotransmitter specifically called GABA, G-A-B-A in the brain, which is responsible for like slowing you down, slowing your thinking down and helping you fall asleep. Uh, you know, the magnesium is involved in many enzyme reactions in your body. And, you know, it has a variety of good uses for when we were in medical school, we learned magnesium can help with um, pregnant women going through uh, what we call preeclampsia or eclampsia, uh, which is when they have high blood pressure during the um, during pregnancy. Uh, we might use it for cardiac problems, heart problems, where they have a different rhythm, what we call an arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. um, I know as a neurologist, I've used magnesium even for migraines. Um, so, so again, a variety of ways uh, for us to use magnesium um, for, in terms of the problem we're trying to uh, impact. But when I use it for sleep, it's, it's because people are having, you know, quote unquote insomnia. They're having some difficulty getting to sleep. Maybe they're waking up during the night or feeling unrefreshed upon awakening. I should actually go back and tell you a little story that... Yes. <laughs> when um, I was still learning integrative medicine and functional medicine, uh, I was, um, I had just had my second child. And uh, so that, um, so during my pregnancy of my second child, I was actually diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And, and so I said, oh my, how did this happen to me? You know, I'm still so young, <laughs> what's going on? I, I have family history of diabetes, but I didn't expect it to happen to me so early on. And so um, that made me, you know, more, more aware of what I was eating and trying to eat healthier. 
uh, growing up vegetarian, I, you know, probably was a bad vegetarian. I don't think I had my seven to nine cups of vegetables um, that we're supposed to have. Um, and so I wasn't probably even anywhere close to that. Um, but it was, it was during those first three years where, you know, I was always tired, didn't sleep well, um, trying to eat healthy and trying to exercise, um, uh, trying to take, do, you know, try to provide the same for my children to make sure that they're eating healthy and not any of the bottled, you know, um, uh, foods and things like that. And so, um, what, what happened though, the real big wake up call was I was dropping my kids off to school and I, you know, always was tired and I was stopped at a red light, but somehow I rolled to the next car and had a little fender bender. Nobody got hurt. Nobody, no, there's no car damage. But what, it was alarming because I just got into an accident at a stoplight <laughs> and how did that happen? And so the only best thing that I could tell myself was that I probably had micro sleep and um, I probably, you know, fell asleep uh, briefly, very briefly wow. enough to, right. So that was my wake up call. And when I started saying, okay, I need to look at my sleep and what's going on. I did look at my magnesium level. I looked at a couple of other levels too, but I found that I was, I was low. And when I, when we look at the science on magnesium, did it help me sleep better? Probably it helped me with my headaches and it helped me get better blood gl glucose control too. So it had a variety of uses for me. Um, and, um, and so, so again, I'm glad the science supports looking at magnesium as a possible nutrition source because we can find magnesium in a lot of our foods that we're eating. Uh, dark green veggies, for example, all the leafy greens have a lot of magnesium. Legumes, nuts, whole grains, fish, bananas, avocados are also really good sources of magnesium. And, and so we don't have to get it only from a pill. We can be getting it by having a cleaner diet filled with uh, magnesium rich foods. And so if you do look at supplementation, Smita, is there a specific form of magnesium that you prefer? And could you, is there, I mean, do you look at different forms based on people or because there's so many forms of magnesium out there and, uh, I know that uh, some of the over-the-counter magnesium available on Amazon, which people buy a lot, they have a lot of fillers and they have poorer forms of magnesium. So just, is there something that you prefer? I do. I, I really try to focus um, and have my patients look at the bottle and look at the ingredients and look for magnesium glycinate as my first choice. Mm. Um, so that's G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E. Um, I like that because magnesium, if you take a supplement, uh, can cause um, uh, GI discomfort, if you will, right? So that's where our, we might have loose stools or, or increased bowel movements as a result of the magnesium. So again, it relaxes our bodies and it relaxes our stomach muscles. And, mm. and so, uh, so you, you know, if you're, if you're, um, if you're have normal bowel movements, then I find that the magnesium glycinate is well tolerated. If you're constipated, I usually have my patients focus more on magnesium citrate. So that's C-I-T-R-A-T-E. And um, I feel that if you're already constipated, that helps you without feeling like it's just, you know, plowing out of you. Mm -hmm. um, so usually with the magnesium oxides, that's when I find that it's not well yeah. tolerated in our stomachs and, and people realize that and they end up having to stop their supplementation because it's so uncomfortable. Um, so it doesn't get anyone 
um, far when you can't handle the supplement you're taking. Um, but using um, magnesium glycinate, if you're you know, somewhat bowel neutral, and if you're constipated, I like the magnesium citrate. Great. In fact, one of the, when you mentioned oxide, that's the most common ingredient in a lot of magnesium supplements available on Amazon. And they, the bottle will say glycinate, but if you look deeper, 60% of it will be oxide. Uh, so it's good that you actually told us about that. So I know you have lots of other nutrients that you do look at. So let's get to those as well. Right. So another big one that I like um, is vitamin D. You know, I feel like this is the sunshine vitamin um, and it has, again, a variety of other uses um, that it's been researched in. Um, you know, I'm going to say Alzheimer's dementia. We know that uh, vitamin D deficiency is associated with substantially increased risk of all-cause dementia. Um, it's been looked at for multiple sclerosis. So if we're looking at some of the other neurological problems, um, but also in cancer, it's been somewhat kind of um, intriguing in the COVID-19 era uh, that a lot of vitamin D deficiency, um, you know, was a, um, a risk factor for severe COVID disease. Um, and then of course, the topic of matter sleep, right? So um, uh, that when um, vitamin D is deficient, um, or when vitamin D is improved, I would say that you can have better sleep quality, you can fall asleep faster, and um, you will hopefully stay asleep longer. And, um, and so overall, there was an improved subjective sleep quality along with that as well. So people felt that they slept better too um, mm. in one particular research study with vitamin D. Uh, and I know this is one area where um, a lot of people here, they actually they don't test and then they go by, hey, my knee is paining, I need vitamin D and they just pop those pouches, which is quite an alarming trend as well. I think that's one thing that you need to test. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think um, it's hard to know. We say, you know, go out in the sun and you should get enough vitamin D that way. And it depends on, I guess, where you live. So in Chicago, you know, I don't think most of the year that you're going to get enough sunshine. Um, well, first of all, it's too cold <laughs> to go <laughs> expose yourself to the sun right now. And, um, and then, you know, so that's, that's half of our year between like, I'm going to say October to April, you know, that is pretty cold that we're not going to be exposing ourselves all that much. Um, but, but in other, you know, regions, you know, you might be able to get enough from the sun. I, I, I don't know. I want to say majority of the people I test in the area that I live, you know, are definitely low without supplementation. Um, you know, we also say to put sunscreen on because the sun, when you get burnt, you are more at risk for cancer that way. And so if you put sunscreen on, then you're not really absorbing vitamin D because you've got that protection. Um, so it can't get into your skin cells. Um, so, uh, so then this is where supplementation basically comes along. And you can get vitamin D in fish. Um, uh, you can also get it in fortified foods like dairy and, and some juices. Uh, or, you know, again, if we're not drinking a quart of milk that it, I think you need to get the amount of vitamin D uh, um, intake, then sometimes I think it's just easier to supplement the vitamin D. Yeah, and especially given that this in the functional world, dairy is such a no-no uh, for almost everybody as a first step to healing all health. And I mean, you're just removing that option by itself. I personally, Smita, I go every hour and my husband and I walk onto our roof and we sit in the sun for five minutes and we have come, let's go for our sun break. And we do this almost on the hour, but of course we are lucky to be living out here where we can do those things. 
Um, and you spoke about fish, but again, there's sort of quite a large population which is plant-based and that option is out. So therefore, I think at the end, you, you probably need to be testing and supplementing at least uh, wherever necessary. And um, you mentioned Chicago, but um, I think even all over the world in the winter, it can change, it levels can drop. And uh, so it's that's a key one to look at. Uh, and I know you have something to share about omega-3s uh, and uh, maybe something more. So can we just go into that? Again, that's a tricky area because of plant-based or omnivore diets. And then what do we do about that? I agree wholeheartedly. So again, you know, fish is not really part of my diet, but I, I mean, I wish it could be, but, um, and this is another reason why, you know, I think supplementing um, makes it easier for me, but, you know, it may not be the right solution for everybody. Um, so uh, omega-3s, another big, you know, nutrient that I think we could benefit from. Um, so uh, there have been studies where, um, looking at omega-3s, um, specifically EPA and DHA and its impact on sleep. And, uh, and in general, you know, again, having that supplementation um, uh, did improve sleep and it also improved um, resting heart rate variability. Mm. So, so low heart rate variability is associated with poor health outcomes. And so um, supplementing with the uh, fish also improved um, that resting heart rate variability. So, um, so you know, where do we get our omega-3s from? Um, uh, Omega-3s can also be not just from fish, but we might get it in a, in a more vegetarian or plant-based diet from hemp, um, flax seeds, as well as chia seeds. Um, so those are other ways of trying to get um, uh, increased omega-3 intake if you are against or a, unable to eat fish um, and, um, and don't want to supplement. Any thoughts on algal sources? Yeah, so, um, you know, I... I have a hard time um, finding exactly which one I want patients mm. to go get. So I've kind of narrowed it down to those, but I think those are another great area to try. Do you have any recommendations there? No, 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 not at all, because I uh, found such countering views. There were some doctors in functional medicine who spoke about uh, um, algal sources being very high in iodine and therefore it can impact some people in terms of thyroid health. Uh, and then of course the plant-based community, uh, spirulina, chlorella, they're also such a, a big part of the green smoothie trend. And so really I'm, I'm caught in the middle. I just don't know. Yeah, so I feel like if we kind of just stick to the mainstream ways of getting the omega-3s, um, you know, again, we want to look at nice clean sources so that it doesn't have the mercury and all the other toxins. Um, so I think, you know, sticking to something more along those lines uh, would probably be, be best. And absolutely. And when you spoke about mercury, Smitha, that there has been research also that when we are concerned about fish, the same thing applies to algae as well. So it's not that it's different. So if you are concerned about uh, getting a mercury overload, if you're eating uh, fish not from the right sources, that very same thing could happen to you if you overdid the algae as well. Um, so, um, Absolutely. yeah, so I mean, I don't think we have access to testing omega-3 here. I'm not, I haven't found it yet. So maybe it's different um, wherever our listeners are based. And uh, anything more with micronutrients? 
So one other one that I like a lot is also vitamin A. So I, I find this one um, to be a little more conceptual, right? Because vitamin A, we think of um, as a eye vitamin, if you will, right? Mm. So we think of vitamin A when we get um, uh, sunshine into our eyes and then the, the vitamin here helps us translate that signal um, you know, that it's daytime. And so um, we can get vitamin A from plants and it's known as carotenoids, C-A-R-O-T-E-N-O-I-D-S. Um, but we can also get vitamin A from some animal food sources um, and that's known as retinol. So my little way to you know, help remember that is retinol and retina, and that's our mm -hmm. eye vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, we, if we, um, if we remember that when we go out in the sunlight, I'm glad you're getting your sun time because this is perfect, right? In terms of what's happening is you go out and get your morning light, which is a lot of blue light, if you will, right? You're, you're setting the stone, just a stage for getting your daylight and blue light in the morning or in the daytime, and then, you know, if we use our technology smartly, we can, um, you know, kind of use that rhythm, the natural rhythms that we get from morning daylight and having that um, bring over into turn over into our nighttime by, by now it's darker. And, and so it's setting the stage for going to sleep and that you're kind of removing some of the blue light. Uh, you know, that may not happen in our, in our environment these days because we're doing a lot of Zoom things and we're doing a lot of phone time. But, but if we did use our technology smartly, as I was saying, you know, you're going to spend your time in the day out in the sun um, after waking, hopefully, and then using the dim light at night, um, you know, to read a book or to do something more soothing. And, and then that hopefully will help you promote good sleep as well. And then using the environmental temperature, right? When you go out in the sun during the day, you are a little more warmed up. And, and now when you're going to bed at night, you're, you're bringing that temperature down and you're kind of getting mm. ready for, for sleep in that way. So, um, so that's why I like vitamin A too, um, is because it really helps reinforce that um, uh, I circadian rhythm and and that process there so is there um with vitamin e as well that so a good do you place do a good way to get a lot of your vitamin a testing testing do you also test we can others? do testing we can do testing here ah. we can test for it here um, I don't know that it's a, a, a way to test everywhere, but I, think um, but I am able to test for that here. Yeah, I think it is available everywhere. Okay. So is that something that you first test before you decide if someone should take vitamin E? So, um, right. A lot of times people are getting some vitamin A in their multivitamin. I would, you know, want people to make sure they're getting beta carotene as opposed to synthetic vitamin A. Um, and, you know, if you'd rather eat it, then, you know, all, all our orange foods, sweet potatoes, carrots, cantaloupe, um, are good sources. Um, if you are, you know, um, and if you do eat liver, you know, it's another great source of vitamin A. Um, uh, and then, spinach, dairy also can have some vitamin A too. So I, I like the orange foods that way. And, um, and so, so again, if I can just re re rewind and say that, you know, I use these more as a tool so that when we're, when I'm evaluating a patient and they're kind of stuck, like, what am I supposed to take now? Uh, as opposed to supplement shopping and saying, okay, let's try this, let's try this. Because it can get awfully frustrating if we're um, going down a path that didn't need yeah. to be fixed. You know? yeah. um, and so, um, so here, if we actually have a deficiency, then using that and supplementing it accordingly with food or with supplements um, and trying to work on that aspect of it can also help improve sleep. And I must ask you this, Mitha, before we move on from micronutrients specifically, is that 
have you found with your practice over so many years that there is a large trend of omega-3 deficiency? It does seem that there, um, there is quite a bit of omega-3 deficiency, I have to say, and I'm only saying it off the patient population that I've tested it on. I wouldn't otherwise know. Um, and, and I had my own omega-3 tested, of course, and I was low too. And, and so, um, you know, I think uh, omega-3s, you know, can significantly help not just with sleep, but it, we have also research that it can help with the depression and anxiety too. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, I think we have to um, realize the importance of that good, healthy fat and how, what it's doing to our, our cells and, and how it's impacting our brain, especially. So. Right. And I know you do bring in other modalities as well to your approach from yoga and meditation. And I'm sure those can be very supportive to brain health and sleep as well. Of course. So, um, you know, I also have my patients um, maybe doing some journaling, you know, especially if they have a racing mind and they're just constantly kind of going. Um, it's a nice way to kind of just write down some things that happened in the day and, and then it's there, it's there on paper. Um, another way to do it is like a gratitude journal, just write down a few things that you've been happy about for the day. And that seems to also kind of like offset some things and it keeps you on a positive note before bedtime. One of the things that I see a lot is people um, researching sleep supplements and there are so many of them. And uh, sometimes it can be hard because very recently I've had a few clients who had researched some sleep supplements a few years ago and put themselves on it. And it was now actually causing them more problems than being supportive. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how some of these sleep supplements might be incomplete in terms of nutrient uh, sufficiency and how might they compare with your approach of actually looking at micronutrient status and addressing those specifically. Um, you know, there's, there is a lot of stuff out there and, and, and you know, some of it is is not so bad, right? Uh, you might find that I um, you know, have a high stress response. So I have high cortisol levels or something like that. And I'll go take some ashwagandha. Um, but again, you know, that might not be the piece of the puzzle that was, was the only thing missing. So, so, so I use the micronutrients to try to also help me uh, dig deeper um, really kind of also target the things that are missing. Um, and so my example of magnesium, for example, and, and myself, right, where I had magnesium deficiency, and I also had, you know, headaches and, and maybe even high insulin. And so here, if I'm going to look at a root cause, I can say magnesium will help not just the one thing, but it might help kind of target some of these other things as well. And, and so, so that's why I like to use some of the micronutrients, which may be overlooked in a conventional sleep practice, for example, that you know, if, we, if there is a deficiency, we should try to replenish it because mm. your body needs these things. Right. Um, we wouldn't be able to test for them. We wouldn't be able to recommend them if we, you know, if we didn't find that there was a need for it. Um, so, so the ones that I'm, you know, suggesting here, we talk about magnesium, we talk about vitamin D, vitamin A, omega-3s. Uh, our bodies do need these nutrients and we can get these from our foods and we should get them from our foods. So I'm not trying to suggest that we should just be taking supplements. I, I feel I would want to really encourage a healthy diet. And I also admitted that, you know, long ago, I was a probably a poor vegetarian. You know, I didn't get my servings of vegetables, um, you know, as I should have. And, and I've luckily changed that. And, and I feel a lot better. I feel like now if I'm, 
you know, um, sitting in a movie theater, I can actually watch the movie as opposed to falling asleep in it. <laughs> Nobody's going to the movie theaters these days, but of course, you know, back in the day when we did, my husband and I would go, I, you know, he would almost like positively bet that I'm going to fall asleep in this movie theater. <laughs> which, um, you know, also says that my sleep was poor. I, you know, but yeah. So, so again, we've fixed a few things and I hope that, you know, with, um, by looking at some of these a little closer, uh, others can have good sleep as well in a more natural way. Perfect. So Smita, before I know we are almost at the end of our time together, but I want to get your quick thoughts on uh, if you were to advise someone without actually seeing them on all the different things that they should be doing to protect their brain and um, make sure that their brain is healthy, what would be your framework or guidelines for that? Um, okay, so um, so with brain health, you know, I'm going to say the three things that are very important. Uh, of course, sleep. Um, you know, you need good sleep and uh, we also need good diet and, and good exercise. Uh, we need to be making sure that like, you know, we do all of these three things. Um, I, you know, I always stress as the number one thing, I probably do stress exercise, uh, but you know, number two and number two, <laughs> sleep and diet are very, <laughs> are very uh, close second. So, um, uh, so we should be doing all of those three things for brain health as my pillars for a nice, healthy life and, and brain. And so Smita, if you were to, if I were to come and stay with you and ask you to serve me a plate of brain health, what would my plate have? Uh, okay. So I would make sure that you are having, you know, your nuts and seeds, uh, I want to make sure that you're having lots of vegetables. I want to make sure you're having healthy carbohydrates in that sense, right? So I don't want to give you the refined grains. I don't want to give you the cupcakes and the muffins. And I'm going to try to give you very little sugar, if, if any at all. Um, and um, I want to give you healthy proteins. So um, it could be in the sense of, um, you know, plant-based proteins, as well as legumes. And, um, and I want to make sure you're also getting healthy fats. Those are my um, ways I would try to serve you. <laughs> Super. All right. So let's just wrap up our conversation. In your mind, what do you think is the biggest root cause of this rampant sleep challenges out there today? Uh, I think it's stress. Hmm. I, I think we're all just going, going, going. We're going somewhere. And, and I think uh, we, we should probably slow it down um, and try to enjoy our journey. Uh, I think that's going to be very important. Um, you know, we only have so much time on this planet. And so I always like to try to reframe that, that you know, I want you to do good things, but I also want you to take the time to take a breath and enjoy the journey. Absolutely. And Smita, our podcast mantra, if sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete it for us? I would say that if sleep is the new medicine, then I recommend having a balanced diet to get optimal nutrients and making sure you get healthy, uh, good cardiovascular exercise as well. Thank you, Smita. It was a great conversation. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you? Are there some specific offerings that you have in terms of brain health and sleep? Right now, I have a Sunday newsletter where I talk about uh, healthy related matters uh, on brain health and, and it, it doesn't also include sleep. And they can find me at www.ineuroinstitute.com. 
And so um, come join me on my weekly, it's a free newsletter, Sunday newsletter. And uh, hopefully we can just continue to learn together. Dr. Smita Patel, thank you for being here with us today, for giving your time. And uh, um, I might just have you back someday to talk a little bit more about brain nutrients. I don't think I'll ever get tired of talking about brain health. It's just such a fascinating subject. So thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. It's, it's, it was, it's been a great pleasure to be here and I, I enjoy talking with you. I also enjoy your podcast. Good. Thank you, Deepa. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counseling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Thank you.